This morning we started uh, volume number two. What is the kingdom of darkness? Today we want to build on that because next week we got a whole new plan. What is the kingdom of darkness? Now the reason why we are asking this question, what is the kingdom of darkness? Because God delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. My point is, if he delivered you from the kingdom of darkness, what did he deliver you from? That's why we want to see that. And when did he do it? The series before that, Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So God had delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. Peter, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, we're going to talk about that marvelous light next week. But today we're going to show you God delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. Now we're going to show you what is the kingdom of darkness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for your word, your Holy Spirit, your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your faith. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us your word. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Grace, mercy, and truth. Now we bless you, Father. We praise you. Thank you for making us accepted in your own son. Thank you for your righteousness, your peace, your joy. Thank you for your health, your healing, your great deliverance. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Now I want to read this Colossians chapter number 1. And I want to restart and read in verse number 12 because that's going to be our series. Giving thanks to the Father. That's our series. We're in volume 2, part 2. Giving thanks to the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And what we're teaching on now, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So we thank God for his, it's just laid it out. Man, the Holy Ghost just laid it out. You got to pay you to mess that up. Praise God. All right, now, what is the kingdom of darkness? This morning, we gave you the definition of the word kingdom. Now, we're going to get right into that because the word kingdom has to do with government. But we use one word, dominion. Government, rule, supreme administration, supreme authority, dominion. But we're using the word dominion. Government is his domain, his dominion. Then you have, if you're a king, you not only have dominion, supreme power, supreme authority, but you also have, you own the people. You, you, the people belong to the king. Then the territory, uh, the country, the land, all owned by the king. So when you hear kingdoms, you know, like there are countries like Britain and Spain and France, these are countries... And when you got different countries, they have kings and queens. Well, they own the country. They own the people. That's a kingdom. See, now, the United States is not set up that way. We are not a kingdom. Uh, we, we are a democracy, and we also have a, a president go four years. If he won again, he can go four more years. But that's not that way in a kingdom. You don't vote a king in. A king is born in. All right? Now, what we want to do today is we want to 
look at this because if God, what is the kingdom of darkness? We want to show you that this word darkness is the empire of Satan. So when you say God delivered you from the kingdom of darkness, he delivered you from the empire of Satan or the kingdom of Satan, the supreme control of Satan from his government, see? From, from ignorance, Paul's going to tell you that his responsibility, his ministry was to deliver the people from darkness. That darkness that Acts 26 and 18 is ignorance, all right? But we're going to take you into showing you this thing because the number one word is flesh. Flesh is the empire of Satan, the kingdom of Satan. And so that's why I'm going to show you in God's word that when you got saved, you got saved out of the kingdom of darkness, out of Satan's empire. See, that's why I keep saying to you, don't let nobody tell you you're saved because you're water baptized. Listen, nobody but the Lord Jesus Christ can save you. He saved you from darkness. And this darkness was the empire of Satan. Now, let me, let me take you to some things that Paul talked about where we were. Let's go to that now. This is where we were. Let's go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You write, you write that in color. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let me show you some things uh, that, that God gave us by the Holy Ghost. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And we want to start reading with verse number 5. It says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5, you all are the children of light. Light. See, when you're saved now, you're children of light. You're called the children of the day. And then it says, we are not of the night, nor of darkness. All right. Now, if a person is not saved, do not have the Holy Spirit, they are children of darkness. That means that they are in a totally different kingdom, totally different domain than you are. When a man is not saved, he's in the kingdom of darkness. When a man is not saved, he's in a domain of flesh. You are in the spirit, he's in the flesh. God is your father, the devil is his father. Totally different kingdom. So 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6 says, Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of hope, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. All right? So that's us. But let me give you another one, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to show you several of these right quick. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. You in Thessalonians, just back up. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. Then we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6. Ephesians 4, 17 said, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you walk not at other Gentile walk, watch this, in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance. Remember, they're in darkness. They're blind. So they're walking in the ignorance of their own mind. That ignorance is in them because 
of the blindness of their hearts. Then in verse number 19, who past filling, Paul says, have given themselves over to lasciviousness, all uncleanliness and greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you heard him and have been taught by him at the truth within Jesus, watch what he said. Put off concerning the former conversation the old man. The old man. See, you have to pull the old man off. You have to be saved. This is not just like, oh, God baptized in water in Jesus' name. I got to say, no, no, no. The Holy Ghost got to take off, take you out of the old man and put you in the new man. That's salvation. So don't trust your salvation to, to religion. All right. Now, let me show you how that goes. We're going to go back to Romans chapter 8. Let me show you what God did for you. Remember, the kingdom of, of, of darkness is the kingdom of flesh. So in Romans chapter number 8, Paul is going to start off with verse 5. He said, for they that are after the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Then he's going to say, to be carnal minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, here's what a person telling you. They're saying, if I baptize you in water in Jesus' name to get you saved, this is what they're saying, then I'm, because of what I did, took you from the flesh to the spirit. Now, that's what you're putting your hope in. And you know, King, but only God can take you out of flesh and put you in the spirit. Let me, show, let me show you that too while I'm doing it. Let me show you. I'm coming right back there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constrained us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we all dead. And that he died for all, they which lived should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, watch this. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now watch the next verse. And all things are of God. This has nothing to do with man. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Don't, don't let nobody fool you. Man is not doing this for you. Romans chapter 8, verse number 6 says, To be carnal minded, we got all these teachings on the podcast, to be carnal minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, watch this, is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Watch what verse number 8 says. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So are you telling me when you got baptized in water in Jesus' name that God took you out of the flesh and put you in the spirit? Through water baptism? You've been deceived. Watch what it says. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So only the Holy Ghost can take you and put you in Christ. 
But you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So don't let nobody fool you and tell you that they baptize you in water in Jesus' name and put you in Christ. Let me show you how you got in Christ. Let me show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible explains itself. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Don't let nobody tell you. Let them show you in the Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12. The Bible says, As the body is one and has many members, all the members of that one body being members of one body, so also is Christ. Christ is one body. How do you get in it? How did you get in the body of Christ? Here it is, verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be born or free, and have been made to drink in, into one spirit. That's the only way it could happen. Now let me show you something that Jesus Christ, so in that verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. All right, let me show you something Jesus said in John 7, 37. We go back to Romans in a moment. John 7, 37. This is what Jesus quoted. John chapter 7. He says, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus cried, he talked to the Jewish believers, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, watch this, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they which believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Remember, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified or raised from the dead. So here it is, God had the promise of the Holy Spirit waiting for man, and he can only get it after Jesus rise from the dead. Why? Because it took the Holy Spirit to do the work. Jesus is the only one that could give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is his life. No man take my life but I lay it down and I take it up again. Nobody can take his life. He gave his life. The Holy Spirit is his life that he gave us. All right, the Bible calls it the spirit of life in Romans chapter 8, verse 2 and 3 and 4. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. All right, now Romans chapter 8 told you in verse number 10, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but now the spirit is life. So when God gave you his spirit, he gave you his life. Now don't let nobody lie to you and tell you when they baptize you in water in Jesus' name, they gave you life. You, you, you messed up. But, you know, you've been messed up before, but you got to learn to get out of this mess. All right. Now, I want to take you somewhere. Because this morning I showed you. Let's go, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. And verse 54, we're going to pick up where we left off this morning. Don't forget, I got a testimony today now. Got a testimony. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the sin that's written. Watch this. Watch what happened to death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now, why is he saying that? Because remember, I read to you Isaiah. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 25. Watch what Jesus said he's going to do. We're in Isaiah 25. We're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 15. Watch what he says. In Isaiah 25 and verse 7, he said, I will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering. We showed you that was the law. He came to fulfill the law. But this, this face of the covering was over all the people. It was called the veil. We talked that in, in uh, 1 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, and we talked about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The veil that spread over all nations was the law. So he came and he tore down the veil. Remember when he was on the cross? The veil of the temple was written twain. All right, that represents the law. And then in verse number 8, watch what he said he's going to do with death. I, he will swallow up death. Now this is what Isaiah talked about when Christ comes. He will swallow up death in victory. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces. So he will swallow up death. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's see that he do it. So in 1 Corinthians 15 says, So when, when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that's written in Isaiah 25, verse 8. Death is swallowed up in victory. See, that's what happened when God saved you. When Christ came inside of you, he swallowed up the death out of you. How did he do it? Put you in Christ and put Christ in you. Now in you is life. No more death. There's no death in Christ. And then it said, O death, 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where's your stain? O grave? Because that's what some folks told you. Yeah, they're going to put you in the grave. The Lord's going to come back. Listen, believers does not get put in the grave. If you do that, how are you going to explain 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1? If this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, I have a building of God not made with hands eternal in the heaven. You can't have that and then put me in the grave too now. So you got some people that don't know what they're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55 said, O grave, where's your sting? O, o, o death, where's your sting? O grave, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, watch this, which giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you already got the victory if you got Christ. Let me show you a scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now thanks. See, that's why we're giving thanks. That's why I'm telling you the name of the message is giving thanks to the Father. Man, there's so much to be thankful for. Thanks be, watch this. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now, thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. 
Man, if you in, if you in Christ and Christ in you, you got the victory over death. You got the victory over the grave. You got the victory over hell. You don't have to worry about living in that body anymore. When, when, God, when that body dies, God got a new body that you are in, the body of Christ. Eternal body. Never die again. That's what he's talking about. No more sickness, no more disease. All right. Now, thanks be to God, 2 Corinthians 2.14, which call, always causes us to triumph in Christ. Make it manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. What a mighty God we serve. He said, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one, we are the savior of death unto death and to the other, the savior of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Then it says in verse number 17, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as a sincerity. But as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So, let me share something with you. I got a testimony. I might as well get it. I might as well let it out. Amen. Somebody said testimony. Now, a lot of you remember that your pastor, uh, some time ago, matter of fact, 2018, September the 11th, I went in and I had open heart surgery. Somebody said testimony. Now, at during this time that I had open heart surgery, the doctor said to me, he said, look, pastor, he took me in his office. My wife and I, we went down there at William Bowman. This doctor said to me, he says, I want to say something to you, pastor. I've been doing what I'm doing as long as you've been pastoring. I've been ministering for 40 years and I've been pastoring 35, he said, but I've been doing what I'm doing as long as, long as you've been doing what you're doing. He said, look, I'm the specialist at this hospital, at William Boatmount Hospital. I'm the one that offers in all this glass cage here. That's my office. All the whole side is my office. And I want to say to you, I want, I want you to understand, you're in my office now. Your pulp blood pressure is 15. When your blood pressure pump is that low in the count, you can go into seizures, you can go into a heart attack, you can go into strokes. He said, you, you, gotta, you gotta have this surgery. So we got everything ready. He took me through, God took me through everything and got the surgery done. Thanks be to God. I'm, I'm giving him all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. A year later, I went back to my doctor William Beaumont, and this doctor said to me, he said, right now, you're doing pretty good. My yearly checkup. He said, your pump pressure is up to 40. He said, it was, at, it was at 15, now it's up to 40, you're doing good. I said to the doctor, I said, well, Every time I come, you'll see it go up further and further. He said, well, you know, you're doing good right now, Pastor. Father is really good after you had surgery. And I said, okay then, praise the Lord. You know, I'm not here to argue. I just believe my God is able to do. Hallelujah. Exceeding abundant above all we ask to think according to the power that worketh in us. 
My wife and I, she went with me this past Friday, which was my second year, because this coming September will be two years. And he gave me a test. You know how they lay on your side and you go, you know, they put the stuff on you, go over your heart and see your heart and all that. This is what the man said to me. He said, whoa, my Lord. I said, what's going on? He said, your pump is up to 60. I said, wait a minute. It was 40 the last time. He said, usually, usually you get up to 45 and 50, you're doing good. He said, yours is up to 60. He said, as a matter of fact, you normal. Am I lying? He said, you are normal. He says, you, the blood pressure, should get between 55 and 60. You already at 60. You are normal. And you know what I thought about? Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. My God, my God. God has taken my blood pressure from 15 to 60. My God Almighty. What a mighty God we serve. See, that's what I'm talking about. Giving God the praise and giving him the glory. Come on, we're going to give him some praise right now. Somebody out there, somebody out there rejoice with me. Come on, rejoice with me. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God. 35 years of pastoring, 40 years of ministry, and God gives me 60-pound pressure in the heart. You know I'm grateful to the Lord. Praise God for his goodness. Well, let me get on to the word, because that, that's why I'm here. I just want to take that moment and just thank the Lord for his goodness. Now, here's three words that I want to show you for the kingdom of darkness. Number one is flesh, which I just showed you, the flesh. Now, look at Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to run through these pretty rapidly. Colossians chapter 1, I want to get as much of this in in this next half hour. Thank you for rejoicing with me. Thank you for supporting the ministry and helping me to do the work of the Lord. Thank the, thank the Lord for you. Amen. Uh, Col if Col Col Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21 says, And you were sometime alienated enemies in your mind. Now that's when you wasn't saved. By wicked works, yet has he now reconciled. See, how did he do it? He did it in the body of his flesh, through death, to present your holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Because we were in the flesh. God saved us from the flesh. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 13. God saved us from the flesh. Colossians 2, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened us together with him and has forgiven us of all our trespasses. See, we used to be in the flesh. God saved us from the flesh. Saved us from the flesh. All right? He saved us from darkness. That's what flesh was, from darkness. Now, we must understand, Paul asked a question in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, who shall deliver us from the body of this death? Flesh. You got to be delivered from the body of this death, which is your flesh. The second is 1 Corinthians 15. Let me give you that warning in Romans there. Romans 7, uh, verse 20, Romans chapter 7. Let me show you. You got to be delivered from your flesh. Romans 7 and verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, 
Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You got to understand something. Your flesh is decreasing every day. You know, I know mine's increasing right now, but you know, praise God. But the body is decreasing. The inward man increasing every day. The outward man decreasing. See, that's why I was so grateful for him to sell me 60. Because before he told me, he said, well, you can, if you get up to 40, 45, you're doing good. Then he said, man, you're over 55. You at 60. He couldn't believe it. Probably still don't believe it. But I'm thanking my father because I know who do the work in me. All right. Now watch this. We're talking about the flesh. Romans chapter 7 told you who shall deliver me from the body of death. Romans 7 24. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to show you Adam. The, the, I'm giving you the words. The world is going to be number three. I'm giving you flesh, Adam, and the world. This is considered as a kingdom of darkness. When somebody said God delivered you from darkness, what did he deliver you from? He delivered you from your flesh. See, when people are telling you they're going to bury your flesh, and then God's going to come back to the grave and get you out your flesh, they're lying. No, that's Old Testament. In the New Testament, the soul does not go in the grave. No, 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 no. The soul does not go in the grave. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You get a chance to read that. For Paul said, therefore, if thou earth the house of this tabernacle was dissolved, we have a building of God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Your soul do not go to the grave with your flesh. Your flesh has a mandate. Dust thou art, and to dust thou shall return. But when Christ come to save you, he came to save you from the flesh. That's why it's called the kingdom of darkness. All right? Now, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 21. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For since by man came death, talking about Adam, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. See, by Adam came death. By Jesus Christ came the resurrection of the dead. Then he's going to give you in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam, all die. So if anybody's in Adam, flesh, they're going to die. That means that your soul is going to die in your flesh if you are not saved. So when God saved you, he saved you from your flesh. Your sins is in your flesh. So when God saved you, he saved you from sins. He saved you from your flesh. That's what that means. I'm going to show it to you in John. Show it to you in John. So he says in verse 22, In Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So when God puts you in Christ, he made you alive. That's how he made you alive, by putting you in Christ. In Adam all died. If your soul stays in the flesh, it's going to die. Remember I read to you Romans chapter number Seven. Let me show you something in Romans 7. Romans 7 and verse 21. I find in a law. What verse 20? There it is right there. Now, if I do that, I would not. It's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So sin lives in the flesh. 
Look at John. Look, go back to the Gospel of John. And let me show you something in chapter 8. So when you see this thing, watch what Jesus is going to show you. He's going to tell these people that if they don't believe who he is, they're going to die in their sins. John chapter 8 and verse 21. He said, then said Jesus again to them, I go my way and you shall seek me. Why would he say And you're going to die in your sins. Well, how are they going to die in their sins? They're going to die in the flesh. Say, so when a man tell you that God is going to put you in the, your soul in the ground in your flesh, that means you are not saved. To be saved means to save from sins that's in the flesh. Saved from the ground. Saved from the grave. Saved from hell. Saved from death. Then said Jesus to them, I go my way. You shall seek me and shall die in your sin. John 8, 21. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, would it kill himself? Because he said, whether I go, you cannot come. I'm going to show you where he went. He went to the Father. And the Father's in the Spirit. That's what happened to you when you get saved. You leave the flesh, you go into the Spirit. God saved you from your flesh. And he said to them, you are from beneath, I'm from above. You are of this world. I'm going to show you, that's the next one, the world. I am not of this world. See, once you get saved, you are not of your flesh no more. Verse 24 says, I said therefore to you that you should die in your sins. He's going to tell them again. For if you believe not that I am he, you're going to die in your sin. Their salvation was based on believing he's the Christ. If they didn't believe that, they're going to die in their sin. Your salvation is believing in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. If you don't believe that, you're going to die in your sins. To die in your sin means you're going to die in your flesh. Your soul will still be in your flesh when I bury you. And you cannot get out. You've got to be delivered. That's why Romans 7, 24 says, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You've got to be delivered out of there. All right, here's the next one. Here's the, here's the next one. Here's the world. John 15, 18. The world. I'm going to give you the rest of the day on just the world because this is what God saved you from. The world. Why? Because the world passes away. But, but people don't know what passes away. He's not talking about the planet. He's talking about your flesh. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you was of the world, talking about the flesh, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, watch this, but I have chosen you out of the world. Now, if God chose you out of the world, what did he choose you out of? He chose you out of the flesh. What a mighty God we serve. And then you turn around and say, yeah, I got saved because somebody baptized me in water. Can't you see how ignorant that is? God saved you from the world. Look at John 17, 14. John chapter 17, 14. I have given them the word, thy word, Father, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. See, when you're in Christ, you're not of the flesh anymore. You're not of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of it. 
What a mighty God we serve. John 17, 15. I pray not for the world. I pray, I pray not that you take them out of the world because they're still there. They can, I need them to stay there and do some work. But you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world even as I'm not of the world. John 16, 28. Back up, let me show you one more. John 16, 28, he says, I came forth from the Father. I am coming to the world. Wait a minute, how is he coming to the world? He came into flesh. And again, I leave the world. Wait a minute, I leave the flesh. And I go to the Father. And that's what you got to do. You got to leave the flesh and you got to go to the Father. The Father means spirit. You got to leave the flesh and go to the spirit. John chapter 16 and verse number 32. Watch this. Behold the hour coming, yea, and now is, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own. You shall leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone. I'm not alone because the Father is with me. He's talking about just like the Father is in you, the Father was in him. These things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Watch what he said. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Well, what did he overcome? He overcome the flesh. You got to overcome the flesh. God put you in this earth. And he put you in a fleshly body. And you're going to get saved out of this flesh into the spirit realm before your flesh die. Now, if your flesh die before you get in Christ, you're going down with the ship. You're going to die in your sins. Now, that's what you got to understand. This is how when Jesus said, I have overcome the world, he's talking about the flesh. Now, let me show you something in Romans 8.31. Oh, hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. And verse number 31, Paul gave us this, nothing separates the believer from God's love. That's why he gave it to you. What shall separate us? We're in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, Shall peril, shall sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than a conqueror through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you give the Lord a big hand? Nothing can separate you. You in Christ. Christ is in you. Nothing 
can separate you from God's love. Oh, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Look at, look at 1 John 4 and 4. What a mighty God we serve. Watch what John so, told the believers, the saints that we call them. 1 John 4 and 4. 1 John 4 and 4. What a mighty God we serve. Ye, you are of God, little children, he told them. You of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Well, who's in the world? Well, let's back up and see. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15. Let's go see who in the world. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the thing that's in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, talking about in the flesh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, this is not of the Father, this is of the flesh, this is of the world. And the world passes away. He's talking about the flesh. And the lust thereof, all going to pass away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So your flesh is going to pass away. Your flesh is going to die, going to be buried. But your soul will live forever. Your choice is where? So if you give your life to Christ and believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, you will live in Christ forever. You will live with the Lord forever and be with all of those saints, all those who've gone on before you in Christ. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. That's why you got to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him, receive him. What a mighty God we serve. That's why God gave you his faith. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. We're almost done. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 and 12. What a mighty God. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worthy lust, we shall live sober, righteousness, and godly. Watch this. In this present world, that means in the present world is your flesh. You're supposed to live godly and holy right now. My God Almighty. But you're looking for, he didn't stop there, he said looking for, that's what they were looking for, that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and the Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He came to save you from your flesh, just like he was with Moses. Now we can see it with Moses. What did God do with Moses? God had Moses to go, watch this, into Egypt. Somebody say in Egypt. He could not have saved them if he didn't go into Egypt. So how did God save Israel? Moses had to be born of the flesh. Call of God. God gives him his authority and power and wisdom. Sends him back into Egypt. He had to go into Egypt. He had to meet Pharaoh, which represented the devil himself. God worked miracles, ten miracles against ten plagues. And God delivered Israel out of Egypt. Who did it? God did it. Can't nobody bring you out of sin. Can't nobody bring you out of death. Can't nobody bring you out of hell. It takes the almighty God to deliver you. 
When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes inside of you. He swallows up your soul. Now your soul is in Christ and Christ is in your soul. And his responsibility is when your flesh dies, he will bring you out. He'll bring you out that body. He'll take you into the very presence of the Lord. You can give your life. You can trust him with your life. Trust him with your soul. What a mighty God we say. We serve. This is the God that saves us. This is, this is the God that takes care of us. I'm going to read that 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I've been talking about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What a mighty God we serve. If this earthly house, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. This is the world. If this earthly house of this tabernacle will dissolve, we have a building of God not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan honestly desire to be clothed upon with our house from heaven. If so being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we will be unclothed, but clothed upon. What happened when Christ put his clothes on us? Mortality is swallowed up of life. That's what happened. You get saved. Mortality is swallowed up of life. Now he that has created us for the self-same thing is God who also has given to us the earnest of the spirit. That's why we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. God has given us a glorified body, just like his own body. We are called the body of Christ. God saved us from the world. He saved us from religion. Look at Romans chapter 5. God saved us from the world. We're going to look at verse 6, Romans chapter 5, and verse number 6. What a mighty God we serve. He says, when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We didn't even know God. Christ died for us. Scatter for a righteous man, a preadventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. But God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. And verse number 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved, watch this, by his life. Why you think he gave you his life? He gave you his life to save your soul from hell. You ought to give him the praise. You got to give him the praise. God gave you his life to save your soul from hell. My God, and not only so, but also we join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom now we have received the atonement. What a mighty God we serve. Let's go to Ephesians 2. We're going to close out here. Ephesians 2. This is why you got to know God has saved you. We were in sin and trespass. Look at that. Ephesians 2, 1. And you, I love this book. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you. Has he quickened 
who were dead and trespassed in sin. You, somebody's pointing at somebody and saying, and you, God has saved from your trespasses and sin. And you, has he quickened, were dead and trespassed in sin. Where in time past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the church of disobedience. Among also we all had our conversation, Paul says, in the time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and our mind, and were by nature we were the children of wrath, even as others. But God, oh my God, oh my God, but God, somebody ought to shout it out right out there right now. My God, regardless of what you went through, but God, what, but God, Pastor, but God, who's rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, for by grace are you saved, and has raised us up, made us sit together in heavenly place in Christ. Oh, my God of mine. Look what God did. God raised me up, set me in heavenly places in Christ. Oh, my God. You in Christ, you are in heavenly places. Come on, tell somebody. Tell somebody, if you are in Christ, you are in heavenly places. Man, you in Christ. Watch what he did. He put you in Christ. Ephesians chapter number 5 says, Even when we were dead in sin, has he quickened us together with Christ? By grace are you saved. And has made us, has raised us up together. Made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That means if I'm in Christ, I am in heavenly places. Why did you do that, Lord? That in the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace, the exceeding riches of his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Then he's going to tell us again in verse 8, for by grace, oh my God, let me get you one over here. By grace, let me get you one. By grace, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace, I don't know what you got to have today. But I just need more grace. For by grace are you saved. How about his abundant grace? God has given us abundant grace. For by grace are you saved. Grace means what God did on this cross. That's how he saved me. For by grace. What he did on this cross, by grace, he saved me. By grace are you saved through faith, through pastor preaching to you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. By grace are you saved through faith. Watch this. Not of yourselves. Not of works. Lest any man should both. Don't drop the cup. I'm coming to you. It is the gift of God. Salvation is free. Salvation is a gift of God. Don't let nobody tell you you got to be baptized in water to get it. Don't let nobody tell you you got to get your feet washed to get it. Don't let nobody tell you you got to take communion off the table to get it, eat the bread and the, and the wine off the table. Nobody can tell you you got to be baptized in Jesus' name to get it. Salvation is free. 
the free gift is the gift of God. Does any man should boast? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 said, By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Verse number 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, under good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. I'm going to read just a little bit out of Romans chapter 5 out of our good news Bible. Romans chapter 5. Oh my God, we're closing, we're closing right now. Romans chapter 5. Oh my God, is this good or what? Romans 5 said, verse number 12. Sin came into the world through one man, and his sin brought death with it. As a result, death has spread to the whole nation. We read in Romans 5 and 12 out of the Good News Bible. As a result, death has spread to the whole human race because every man, everyone has sinned. There was sin in the world before the law was given, but where there's no law, there's no count is kept of sins. But from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, death ruled over all mankind, even over those who did not sin in the same way that Adam did when he disobeyed God's command. Adam was a figure of the one who was to come. But the two are not the same because God's free gift is not like Adam's sin. It is true that many people died because of the sin of that one man, but God's grace is much greater. So is his free gift to so many people through the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. And there's a difference between God's gift and the sin of one man. And the one man's sin came judgment of guilty. But after so many sins came the undeserved gift, not guilty. After the one man's sin, Adam, came the judgment of guilty. But after so many sins, the undeserved gift of grace came, God's righteousness, and now God says, not guilty. It is true that through the sin of one man, death began to rule because of that one man's sin. But how much greater is the result of what Jesus has done, the one man Jesus Christ, how much greater what he has done? Then he said, look, all who receive God's abundant grace, that's all you got to do is receive it. All, have, all who receive God's abundant grace are freely put right with God, will rule in life through Christ Jesus. So then, as the one man condemnation, one man condemned all mankind, in the same way, one man religious act set all mankind free and give them life. What a mighty God we serve. And just as all people were made sinners as a result of the disobedience of one man, Adam, in the same way, they will be put right with God as a result of the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ. Law was, in, law was introduced 
in order to increase wrongdoing. But what sin increased, don't drop your cup. God's grace increased much more. So then, just as sin ruled by means of death, so also God's grace rules right now by means of righteousness. God's grace rules now. God's grace, what he did on this cross, gave you the Holy Spirit. Life rules inside of you. We reign in life by one man, Jesus Christ, leading us to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. My God Almighty, that's going to be it. My God Almighty, let's give the Lord a great big hand for his words. First Corinthians, we're going to go to First Corinthians chapter 15, because this is how you say My job is to continue to tell you how you are saved. Out of all I said to you today, you got to get saved before all this is going to happen. How do I get saved? Saved from sin. Saved from your flesh. Saved from your old man. Saved from death. Saved from hell. Saved from the grave. That's how God saved you. How did he do it? You put your faith and your confidence in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. God promised to save your soul. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. God has given you a chance to be saved. But it doesn't do any good if you don't receive it. Eternal life is offered to you right now. And all you need to do is say, Father, I believe. We say that with me right now, would you? Father, I believe Christ died for my sins. I believe Christ was buried and rose again the third day. Not for himself, for my justification. I receive your sacrifice of your own son for my sins to be paid for. And I receive eternal life. I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive your righteousness, your peace, your kingdom. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for making me your own son. And if you pray this prayer, welcome to the body of Christ. Praise God for his goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's rejoice with some people. I believe there's some people out there have received Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. Now Christ lives in you, and you are in Christ. Welcome. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.